Oh, let's give him great praise. A great God is worthy of great praise. Man, I feel something tonight. I feel like anything could happen here tonight. I feel like you could get your miracle that you've been praying for tonight. I feel like you could get your deliverance that you thought was never going to happen tonight. I feel like... Lord, there's some Holy Ghost here tonight. Holy Ghost. Look at your neighbor and say, Holy Ghost. My goodness. I don't know about you all, but I just love coming to church. I shouldn't say this, but I usually say stuff when I'm feeling what I'm feeling right now that I shouldn't say. And you've just learned to tolerate it. And somehow encourage me to say more than I shouldn't say. But I don't mind. I don't, I don't blame people for not wanting to go to dead church. But you ain't got no excuse at Cornerstone. God all over me tonight. It's a great feeling. I love feeling God. Amen. I'd like to direct your attention tonight to the book of Luke, chapter number 8. Where is, is Natasha here tonight? She's sleeping? I will hold off on this. Then. Will she be here Sunday? Luke chapter number 8. And we're going to start in verse number 4. Did you bring your Bibles? This is a Bible-believing. I don't need Apple products to help me read the Bible. That's about 8% of the congregation right there. We, we would prefer very strongly if you turn off all cell phones, iPads, iPhones, desktop computers, Macintosh, and everything in between. And bring your Bible to church. Look at your neighbor and say, did you bring your Bible? Okay, I know, it's, I know it's a big trend in our world to get rid of the Bible and all the scriptures are on the screen. But ladies and gentlemen, I got to live far beyond that screen. That's not almost right. That is right. Hallelujah. If you need a Bible and you don't have one and you really, really want one and you promise to take good care of one, I want you to come and see me and I will get you a Bible. Yeah, that's right. All right, Luke chapter number 8, 
You need one right now? Okay. Um, listen, I need somebody. Brother Darian, would you go into the storage area back there? There's three boxes of Bibles looking for a home. Just grab one. I don't even care if it's got somebody else's name on it. Just grab it. We're going we're gonna to get you your own Bible before it's over. In fact, you had somebody that's supposed to be here with you tonight. We're going to get him one too. Why not? Hallelujah. I'm going to wait till this building is full, and then we're going to bring out those three boxes of Bibles and read the names that are in them. Just kidding. Maybe. All right. All right. Here comes your Bible right here. Brother Darian, where are you at? I don't care whose name is in that Bible. You give it to that guy. He wants to use it. That's what Jesus said. Jesus is going to take it from people that ain't using it and give it to somebody that will use it. All right. Luke chapter 8 and verse number 5 for the fourth time. A sower went out to sow his seed, and as he sowed, some fell by the wayside, and it was trodden down, and the fowls of the air devoured it, and some fell upon a rock, and as soon as it was sprung up, it withered away because it lacked moisture, and some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up with it and choked it, and other fell on good ground and sprang up and bare fruit. Everybody said fruit. And a hundredfold. And when he had said these things, he cried, He that has ears to hear, let him hear. I want to talk to us tonight about indicators of growth. Indicators of growth. Let's pray. God, we love you. We praise you. We thank you for the opportunity to be gathered together with your people. Just such a clean, godly, healthy feeling here tonight. God, I pray that the word of God would make entrance into every life. Help us understand where we are. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said amen. amen. God bless you. You may be seated. This is, um, this is a famous and notable passage of Scripture. The parable of the sower and the seed are probably one of the more often quoted certainly easily recognizable passages of Scripture. But his disciples were not yet regenerated, and so like the audience, so many of the multitude that were there, they lacked revelatory understanding. Jesus taught in such a way, um, theologically it's called parabolic. We know it as teaching in parables. And essentially, a parable or parabolic teaching simply means that there is a greater meaning behind what is being said. Um, Jesus was a master teacher. Of course, that's an understatement. He was God manifest in the flesh. But he was able to take simple things like birds and seeds and rocks and dirt and common everyday life um, in the first century, and he was able to use that as a threshold into the profound, 
the supernatural, the, the incredible world of revelation. And his disciples, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> you'll come to verse number nine. His disciples asked him saying, what might this parable mean? What might this parable be? What does it mean? Verse number 10, Jesus said, unto you it is given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God even though their understanding had not yet been opened, but to others in parables that seeing they might not see and hearing they might not understand. So parables were like a filter. It was like a form of teaching in that people that were truly hungry, that sought understanding, it would be a threshold to greater knowledge. To people that did not want it, they would dismiss it. They would wad it up and throw it to the side. They did not, were, were not the beneficiaries of this teaching. It, it, it didn't mean anything to them. So Jesus explains he is raking back the covering and giving a more revelatory understanding of this parable. Look at verse number 11. Now, the parable is this. The seed is the word of God. Those by the wayside are they that hear. Then cometh the devil and taketh away the word out of their hearts. I want to tell you that wherever the word of God, especially, and I'm not just saying just anybody that handles the Bible, but wherever truth is, Satan is there to view how truth is being received. Now, that's absolutely correct because in one place Jesus say, said, be careful how you hear. Because we are going to be, we're not only going to have to give an account to God for everything that was given to us by God or something that was said to us by God, whether it's preaching, teaching, or by God directly himself. But we do not become the beneficiaries of that word. And I don't know about you, and I... <clears throat> and I realize that this truly is one of the aspects of our personal devotions. It's not just so our conscience can be clean and we can feel God all the time, but it's that you're constantly on the edge of your seat waiting to get a word from God. Anybody else living like that? Is there anybody out there that's just, that's just ready to get something from God? I believe really that that's one of the aspects of healthy spiritual living. Is that, you, uh, is that you are looking or readying yourself for a word from God. Verse number 12, the devil watches how people receive truth. I want to just tell you that when I first got saved um, over 30 years ago, it just, it just seemed to me that it was easier to get Bible studies going and easier to convert people. Much more difficult than it is today in the 21st century, but I, I, I am oftentimes blown away how the people understand truth, they obey the truth, they experience truth, and they can still walk away from this. That's because the enemy, wherever the truth is deposited, the enemy is going to go to work. And the only thing that safeguards that truth is the next condition, okay? Look at verse um, 
number 13. They on the rock are they, which when they hear, receive the word with joy. These have no root, which for a while believe, and in time of temptation, they fall away. Okay, the first, the first thing that took truth away was the devil. He just came in and blinded their minds, confused them, started lying to them, stirred up other people, whatever the case may be. In the second condition, it was temptation. <coughs> I have personally seen this with my own eyes many times. That everything looks fine for a while. There's somebody I'm thinking of right now. That everything was fine until something came along. The perfect storm came along in their life. And they did not have a root system of the word of God. And it was enough to take them out. I'm not saying I don't pray for them. I'm not saying I don't have hope for them. I'm not saying I, that it's over for them. I'm just saying that you are watching you're watching this, this parable come to life by watching people's lives and even your own life. Look at verse number 13. They on the rock are they which when they hear receive the word of joy, they have no root. Verse number 14. And that which fell among thorns. First one was the devil. Second one, the heart was like a rock. There was no root. Third one, it was like there were thorns in the, the heart was not cleared out. There were things in there. And that which fell among thorns are they, which when they have heard, they go forth and are choked with cares and riches and pleasures of this life and bring no fruit to perfection. Now, it doesn't say that these fell away. It just said that the truth did not come to perfection in their life. There was too much stuff already in their life. <coughs> Verse number 15 but that on the good ground are they which in an honest and a good heart having kept the heard the word keep it and bring forth fruit with patience obviously you can see the sequence it's required to bring the word of god to pass in your life it says they heard they kept it and they brought forth fruit with patience I want to talk to us uh, tonight about indicators of growth. And I am recognizing that in the 21st century, right now, tonight, that we need to slow way down for people. Um, Cornerstone is one of the most accelerating when it really gets to moving, you got to hang on because it's really moving. But we also need to be keenly aware that although we're on the move and we're ready to, when the Holy Ghost gets to move and we want to move and, and so on and so forth, we want to be keenly aware of the fact that we need bedrock, fundamental, foundational teaching to make sure that all of us are ready to move when God is moving. And uh, to some of us that have been around a little while, um, that might mean that we have to just realize, oh, you know, I've heard this before. But just, just praise God that not only have you heard it before, but you still believe it. And that somebody else received it. Um, because really, people in the 21st century are not like, and I'm, I'm trying to think this through before I say it because I don't want to offend anybody. But I want to tell you 
that it's not like it used to be. People are living complicated lives. People are, I believe that the devil is, is working overtime to fill people's minds with fears and worries and, and worry that'll go nowhere, fears that'll go nowhere, doubts that aren't even a reality, all in the hopes to keep them from allowing the Word of God to germinate in their lives and experience everything that God has for them. Well, I want you to know that this church and this pastor stands for you making connection, whatever it takes. If I've got to teach this every single Wednesday for the rest of 2018, so be it. Hallelujah. And making disciples, I love preaching, I love the exhilaration with apostolic preaching. Um, but what we really need is apostolic teaching, which means slow down. Okay, in preaching, you yell. And I'm really good at that. I'm really good at yelling. But when you teach, you tell. Which means you slow down. You try to become more articulate. And uh, for some of, some of you that are st having a hard time staying awake, you need to go by the coffee shop, and next week get a quad shot, and if you got to go to the bathroom in the middle of church, sit in the back, but at least you're awake, and everybody said praise the Lord. I want to talk to us tonight about indicators of growth, because oftentimes there can be, there can be long pauses, seemingly, it can almost feel like your walk with God is on hold. It can often feel like your walk with God or God is on a distant planet somewhere attending to business and is not listening to you. But I want you to know that if you are living for God, if you're, if you're living for God, you are growing. You may not even feel it. You may not even sense it. But when you come through on the other side, you're going to recognize I'm different. Things are different. I'm never going backwards. I'm living for God. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. Um, the Bible said that to him that knoweth to do good and to doeth it not, to him it is sin. Now, how can that be? How can that be? To him... That knoweth. Everybody said knowledge. Once, once you get saved, once you've been baptized in Jesus' name, you've repented of your sin, <coughs> excuse me, you've been baptized in Jesus' name, and you've been filled with the Holy Ghost, from that point forward, knowledge equals responsibility. I want you to get that. Knowledge equals responsibility. And so it is knowledge, it is knowledge that we need to grow. We need to grow. We're going to break this down a little bit tonight to help us. You have to understand that in order for you to obey the gospel and experience the gospel, you exercise the most important, important component in your nature. And the most important component in your nature is choice. 
It is not your IQ. It is not your education. It is not how much money you have or don't have. It is not what side of town you live on. It's not your ability to make friends or how many friends you have or how many followers you have on social media. The most important factor, because the Word of God bears this out, that you have is your ability to choose. This is what Adam lost. He lost, he misused his power to choose. And from that, from the first Adam until the second Adam, all of mankind was in a certain condition with the power to choose. But after the new birth, which is the repentance of my sins, baptism in Jesus' name, and the infilling of the Holy Ghost, I now have a choice. In fact, let me break this down a little bit for you. You are not delivered until you have a choice. If somebody looks at these cigarettes and they say, you know what, Um, I've been doing this for years, and I'm not putting you down tonight. If you're a chain smoker, I'm just describing where you're at tonight. I'm not putting you down. I'm just describing why you're in the condition that you continue to be in. If you're a a chain smoker and that's all you know, quote, unquote, there's knowledge. But once you come in contact with the gospel and Jesus Christ is able to walk into your arena and say, choose me. Because with every temptation, there is now a way of escape. So for you to choose sin after you have power To choose not to sin, you will be judged for that. Well, Pastor, this is getting kind of technical. Not really. This is really very basic. Once you're given a choice not to sin, you will be held accountable for choosing to sin if you do sin. To him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not. Well, Pastor, I'm not smoking anymore. Someone said, Praise the Lord. I haven't smoked a cigarette in over 30 years. There, when, I, when, I was, when I was baptized in Jesus' name, filled with the Holy Ghost, I was immediately delivered of nicotine. But I've seen other people that after they get baptized in Jesus' name, filled with the Holy Ghost, they continue to struggle. What's the difference? I'm not, I'm not entirely sure. But I do know that God will deliver you. So an individual says, well, I'm not smoking anymore. I'm not, I'm not cussing anymore. I'm not using profanity anymore. I'm not... Uh, I'm not giving myself to immorality anymore. I'm not doing drugs. I'm not drinking. I'm trying to move in the in the right in the right direction. That's growth, right? I wouldn't be too sure of that. Because growth is not doing the things that you're not supposed to do. Growth is now doing the things that you're supposed to be doing. 
Like if you know to be here for prayer tomorrow and you just have gotten lazy. Now, we don't like that word in Pentecost, but it's like the word fat. That is a Pentecostal curse word, isn't it? Just kidding. If you know you're supposed to be in the house of God and you just, you're lazy. You are misusing your knowledge. See, real growth is abstaining from the things that you're not supposed to do. And you are replacing it with things that you now know to do. Let's clap our hands and give God praise. See, there's a lot of people who say, well, I'm not doing this, I'm not doing this, I'm not doing this. Okay, great. You're not doing that anymore. But you're going to be tempted, if you haven't replaced it, with spiritual things. You see, when God delivers you from something, it's because he is offering you something better than the thing you were leaning upon, or you were basing your life upon. I think we ought to clap our hands again because God's good. God's not going to let cigarettes... God's not going to let pornography. God's not going to let lying. God's not going to let immorality. God's not going to let uncleanness. When he's got purity and he has power and he has glory and he has liberty and he has freedom and he has holiness, clap your hands and give him praise. So in this sense, you're able to gauge your own level of growth. It's not technical. It's not complicated. But there are some other indicators, and we want to talk about this here tonight, because I'm interested in not just seeing people get baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost. That's just the beginning. That is just the beginning. Well, Pastor, I got saved and I still got problems. But if God didn't allow certain things to continue in your life, there wouldn't be anything for the Holy Ghost to remove in your life that would give you the impetus to grow. He would have just said, okay, you got the Holy Ghost, you're raptured. I think God should do that to some people. Like right after they speak in tongues. Okay, God, now rapture. chapter 8 that Jesus is describing here. In one place he said 30, 60, and 90 fold. The Bible says in verse number 15, but that on a good, on the good ground are they which in an honest and a good heart. Those are the qualifications of the heart needed to do this. Having heard the word, keep it and bringeth, bringeth forth fruit. Let's go to Galatians chapter number 5, Brother Clark. My good friend, Dr. Clark. And everybody said, praise the Lord. 
chapter 5, verse number 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, goodness, faith, verse number 23, meekness, temperance, which is self-control, against such there is no law. Let's do a little experiment for a minute. How many of you, when you got saved, had at least one of those fruits already happening in your life? Okay. Brother Junior, did you have your hand raised, or was I just imagining that? Your hand was raised. What fruit did you have before you were filled with the Holy Ghost? Before you were baptized in Jesus' name, filled with the Holy Ghost, how many of those fruits, how many of you had any of those fruits in your life before you were saved? Good. Good. This is a healthy congregation tonight. Praise God. There's not one of these things that I am expected to produce without God giving me the resource to produce it. Well, Pastor, I was already a good person. There's none good. There's none righteous. Now, just by being filled with the Holy Ghost, the Bible says the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the... Just by getting the Holy Ghost, you immediately are jettisoned into producing fruit. God does not require you to have those fruits without the Holy Ghost. God does not expect you to have those fruits without the Holy Ghost. I've met some people that are just really nice. They're just really close. Now, when you see me shaking hands and being nice and smiling... You'll know that's God. God had something to do with that, because that's not normally what I was. That was nothing like I was like before I got saved. The fact that I'm able to stand up here tonight and teach this Bible study and do it with a good spirit and do it with the love of God in my heart—that's a miracle. God's getting the glory for that. But that's not what Rick Mayo did. That's what. God, that's the fruit of me letting God do that in me. Everybody talking about pastor, I need my ministry. I need to find out what my ministry is. I need a position. I need a ministry. I don't hear anybody talking about I need more love. Because if we get more love, we're going to get more fruits. But it's impossible to have fruits without roots. Everything begins in the roots. Now, this may kind of take a turn here, 
but I do not believe what was being described in Luke chapter 8 is necessarily confined to the fruits of the Spirit. I believe that what Jesus was talking about in Luke chapter 8 with the sower and the seed, that out of a good heart and an honest heart, with patience brings forth fruit. I believe that what that is saying is, is that ultimately there will be an evidence, a proof, a confirmation that God is in your life. Many infallible proofs, talking about Jesus Christ after the resurrection. I believe that there are indicators that are the evidence of God in us, working in us, that we can understand that will help us to see that God definitely is working and I am moving forward even if I don't see anything. First of all, I want us to turn to Mark chapter number 4 and verse number 26. And let's talk about some things here. Help us understand this. Look at your neighbor and say, I want to grow. Okay, this, this is a very similar illustration to the sower and the seed, but it is not talking about the sower and the seed. It's talking about something completely different. But he's using this, an illustration here that we need to look at. Look at verse number 26. And Jesus said, So is the kingdom of God, as if a man should cast seed into the ground and should sleep and rise night and day. Now this rising night and day that is almost fretting, trying to, trying to see if anything's happening. Okay, I, I put that seed or, or, or I prayed that prayer or I, I made this promise to God and I'm waiting for something in return. And this, this is referring to an element of nervousness. And he rises night and day, and the seed should spring up and grow, and he knoweth not how. But then Jesus shows us how it's going to take place. Look at verse number 28. For the earth bringeth forth fruit of herself, first the blade, then the ear, and after that, the full corn in the ear. The very first aspect of growth happens when nobody can see it. That seed takes root, and the very first thing that happens to that little tiny seed is it has to push down, and it has to push up, which means growth is not comfortable. You see, 
it's dangerous to get comfortable. It's dangerous to get comfortable. And, and I'm in danger of this, just like you're in danger of this. There's nobody that's not in danger of getting comfortable. But you, 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 you obey the gospel. You have a great Holy Ghost experience. You're absolutely thrust into spiritual things. There's amazing things that take place in your life. But if we're not careful, the danger is, is that we'll get to a place where I'm not exactly sinning. I'm not sinning anymore, but I'm not growing either. And so you have to understand that the illustration that God used in the Old Testament of, of bringing the entire nation of Israel under the ministry of Joshua, and he brought him into the promised land. And in the book of Deuteronomy, he said, you're going to drive the enemy out little by little. And I'm just paraphrasing this, but this is what it meant. Lest the land become undomesticated. In other words, God is leaving some squatters there in the Old Testament to get rid of the weeds, to feed the animals, to build cities, build houses, continue to keep the land uh, cultivated, domesticated, because when you grow, you're going to drive them out and you're going to take that land. The New Testament typology of that or illustration of that that is applicable to our lives is, is that after you get the Holy Ghost, God leaves some things that are particular to your personality, your life, your past, whatever, to ensure that we constantly understand that I got room to grow. The most dangerous thing that can happen to you is you get to the place well, where, okay, I'm doing what I'm asked to do, and I'm not doing the things I'm not supposed to do, but I'm not spiritually growing in my relationship with God. The root system is not spreading out. And so it takes ministry to come in, and the ox that treadeth the corn, he brings that, that blade into your heart and begins to turn the soil over. may not even feel good. Usually it doesn't. And we're able to understand, you know what, I've, I've not been reaching my potential. That's the pastor's role, is to help us come to our potential, to grow, to maximize our potential for the kingdom of God. And everybody said, praise the Lord. Well, pastor... I just need you to tell me what to do. Do you really think I'm going to believe that? Let's lift our hands and just, let's just pray for a little bit here. Some of us are stuck. And I really want to help you. Because God's got such tremendous plans for you. Plans of blessing. Plans of usefulness. Plans of being a functioning part in the kingdom of God. But I have learned 99% of the time, while we think we're waiting on God, God's really waiting on us. So the very first aspect of...
growth is invisible. It requires a working But Jesus said the kingdom of God is within you. The second aspect, this is the very first visible evidence of growth. Oh, pastor, it's not that big of a deal. Don't worry about it. Wouldn't be so sure about that. Because all I've got to do is look around this building and see there's nobody else wearing an earring. Now, we're talking about growing. We're talking about wanting to grow. We're talking about not wanting to be what we are now. Nobody that is going to this church wants to be the same. All of us, I'm convinced, want more God. And when you get more God, first thing's going to happen is something's going to change. Because we want to make those adjustments to keep more God, to facilitate more God, to get more where that came from. Clap your hands and give him praise. So let's go back to our illustration. Guy comes in, and this happens. Blowout service. Somebody sees the truth, understands he needs to be baptized in Jesus' name, understands he needs the Holy Ghost, speaks in tongues. God blesses him. God moves in. The unclean spirit moves out. And right about Tuesday or Wednesday, he puts his little earring back in. Think about this for a little bit. Pastor, that's not that big of a deal. I wouldn't be so sure about that. The same power and knowledge that moved on a human being to remove some things is going to need to stay in place to keep it off. See, going backwards is a horrible place to be in God. You're a, you're, you're a sitting duck. You're a target. I'm just being honest with you tonight. That, that when, when knowledge goes forth and, and God is addressing us and we know it's God and we know that God is trying to get us to grow and for us not to move with it, the devil is watching that entire sequence of events. And the worst thing that you can do is say, you know, that's not for me. I don't feel like it. I don't want to do that. That is a horrible place to be. But what you need to do is get your antennas up and say, that's for me. That's for me. That's for me. God, you don't got to tell me twice. That's for me. And the devil's got to back out. The devil will move out of your home. The devil will come off your kids. The devil's influence will come out. You'll have the victory. You'll build me a Somebody clap your hands and give God the praise. It is the will of God we continue to bear fruit, evidence that God is moving. Evidence that God is moving. Some of you that are, that are all call, caught up with the feel of, of, of this and are easily given over to things like despondency and depression, I'm not picking on you, I love you. 
I'm trying to help you. There's some things you have to do out of obedience simply because it's in the Word of God. And the only way you're going to get over this hump is you're going to have to train your flesh. I'm doing it because God said to do it, and that settles it. And then when the light comes on, wait a minute, wait a minute. When you start operating on that level, God gives you an immediate promotion. And then when the light comes on that that was the way it was supposed to be to begin with, God has a blessing, God comes through, God moves on you, and you have grown. Clap your hands and give God the praise. I don't care how I feel. My flesh will lie to me. My mind will lie to me. The devil will lie to me. My carnality will lie to me. Don't trust your flesh. The Apostle Paul said, I don't trust my flesh. No confidence in my flesh. You can be growing and not even feel like you're growing. Now I'm going to tell you, there's there's a lot of you that are you're just you're just you're just doing bad things. You're not drinking, you're not smoking, you're not carousing, you're not doing the stuff you shouldn't be. But what really thrills me is not the stuff that you're not doing. I thank God for that. But what thrills me is you're in the prayer room and you're in church every, and you're in the altar and you're witnessing. That is the ingredient for growth. Clap your hands and give God the praise. It's not only the don'ts. It's not like the Ten Commandments, the thou shalt not. But I'm going to have a relationship with God and do exploits for God. Bible calls it the blade. This is the first evidence of something seen. Somebody says, "Well, Pastor, um, and I'm trying to be, I'm trying to be diplomatic, but anybody coming into a congregation like this can see that it's it's modest. I mean, you'd have to be absolutely blind." to go and make all kinds of outward changes without any kind of understanding. That is not growth. That is uniformity. That is the same thing that drove them in the world to try to fit in the world with tattoos and piercings and doing drugs and abusing their body, but now they're doing it in a religious sense. Listen, you can sit there as long as you want. We're not going to bother you. We're going to love you, but I'm going to tell you, God is going to demand you to grow. Somewhere, God is going to move in, and God is going to cast out all the unclean forces and set you loose and set you free and say, now, be everything. Be everything you can be. Follow the word. Follow the spirit. And that's when the changes are made. I'll tell you what some people are doing this hour is they're getting rid of the principle of modesty, the principle and the reality of holiness. If you were in the, uh, if you were in the symposium last week, I, I, I'm just speechless. Some of the things that I heard in that symposium were from we're from a portal into revelation. 
But there are some churches and some leaders that believe that the reason why we're not growing is because people are coming in and they're stumbling on principles like modesty and spiritual obedience and submission to authority. This is why the leader starts getting casual. He sits on a little, he sits on a stool and has rips in his jeans and he starts to use worldly vernacular and he starts calling people by their first name and, and we all got sin. I got a little bit of sin. You got a little bit of sin. We all need grace. Listen, grace teaches us. Grace is not applied to your life as some spiritual band-aid until Jesus gets here. Grace says, get up. I believe you can, get, you can overcome your fornication. I'm going to teach you overcome your adultery. I'm <laughs> teaching us to abstain from ungodly lust. things aren't making churches grow. That's not even a church. A church grows from the inside out. When individuals are connecting with God, first the roots, then the blade. Man, I sure miss old brother Sloan. We need to pray for him, but I'll never forget the first time that guy walked in with his suit. I went, He needed a haircut, but he got the suit part. And then he got the haircut. See, the devil's after our new converts because that's the best advertisement this church has. They're going right back to their families. They're going right back into the job. They're going right back into their neighborhoods. They're saying, you know what? I found a place. I found a well. I found salvation. I found God. I found reality. That was growth. I'd rather have a person sit there with total rags, body piercings everywhere, just sitting there, until the roots germinate. And then the first comes, it wasn't even visible. It was just a root system. But when that blade comes up, everybody can see it. Let's clap our hands and give God the praise. There was, there was a young lady that came to this church years ago that she came in and immediately adopted, and, and I don't have time to theologically explain all this, but women have far more manifestations of modesty and holiness than a man does. And I believe that's because she's a type of the church, but that's a theological subject we won't touch right now. But I remember she was just a new convert, and she was trying to do everything like somebody ha that had been here for several years. And it was like, you know, you don't, I'm not expecting you to just jump in and do all this. See, the obedience should be equal to the knowledge. When I know to do it, that's the time to do it. But if you keep telling God, I'm not going to do that. My flesh doesn't want to do that. I don't want to do that. I don't want to sacrifice. I don't want to do this. Pretty soon, we grieve the spirit. I remember when God turned the light on for Rick Mayo. There was no stopping me. 
little earrings came out. The goofy little haircut went away. All the red go-go boots and the skin-tight clothing went in the dumpster. See, just even the way you dress can attach you to the part of you that you're really trying to get away from. When, when you choose clothing, you don't choose it to what you were. You choose it to what you want to be. When you continue to wear something that identifies you with what you came out of, the, all the devil does, the devil says, uh-huh, 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 uh-huh. But as soon as you say, you know what? These ain't halfway as modest as I want to be. I'm not no longer, I may not be everything I want to be, but devil, I'm not what I used to be, and I'm never going back to what I used to be. There's indicators of growth. Sometimes they're really small. Pastor, 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 I just paid my tithe. Praise God. God's going God's to bless you for being obedient to the word of God. Pastor, I made it to the prayer room. Praise God. What are they doing? They're doing things they've never done before. It's not just, well, pastor, I'm not sinning anymore. And you shouldn't be doing that. But now God wants to put something in its place. For your sin, God will give you power. For our uncleanness, he will give us holiness. Let's lift our hands and give him praise. God, I want to grow. I want to grow. God, lead me to the next battle. Lead me to the next deal. Because in my struggles is when I make more room for more God. See, some of you think, well, I got everything and I am, and this, this ain't turning me on very much. You're, you, you're, not, you're, not facing, you're not facing where you are correctly. You're not reading it right. See, God is not going, God gets no glory from somebody that is just not blown away by God. I am blown away by God. I can't, I, 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 take this right. I can't even believe I'm doing this. You're kidding me. You mean this is all I got to do? You mean, you mean not sinning anymore and praying is all I got to do to go to heaven? You mean all I got to do is start telling the truth and love people? That's all I got to do to live with God and, and, and feel this, and the God from another world, the God that's beyond the solar system, the God that spoke everything into existence. Do you understand what you're a part of? We don't pray through. I don't have time to get into this, but I've got a message I'm going to be talking about called when the veil becomes a wall. The veil that we're supposed to move through to get into the presence of God has now become a wall. When we live on this side of it, it just seems like nothing's happening and I'm not growing and I'm not going anywhere and I'm not, nothing's happening. We have to apply ourselves. It's not just, I know I'm sounding like a broken record, but I'm trying to get this through on the most elementary basis that I know how. It's not just not doing the things we're not supposed to do, but it's doing the things that please God. Let's lift our hands and give him praise one more time. I love you, Jesus. God, open up the windows of heaven and pour out your blessing and your glory and your power 
upon this group of people. Allow the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him overcome every soul, overcome every heart, every soul, so that the things of this world become increasingly dim. I really believe that where this illustration about the full ear of corn, it's talking about maturity. This is Pastor Mayo's definition of spiritual maturity. You are responsible. You are committed. You are consistent. Thessalonians chapter 4 reveals this last little principle that I want to talk to us about that will help us understand that you're probably doing better than you think. You know, the reality of it is we're doing a lot better than we think. Well, Pastor, you, you don't fight the same stuff I do. You're kidding. You don't really believe that. I have voices all the time tell me I'm an idiot. Try to get me to do stupid things. Try to tell me stupid things. I just learned a long time ago that I'm not listening to them. 1 Thessalonians chapter number 4 and verse number 3. Beg your pardon. For this is the will of God, even your sanctification, that you should abstain from fornication. Next verse. That every one of you should know how to possess his vessel in sanctification and honor. No preacher, no Bible school. There's just some things that automatically God teaches us. And one of them is how precious our bodies are. That we should possess our vessels in sanctification and in honor. In this day and age... Uh, there's people walking in with all kinds of abuses, false perceptions, false hopes, spirits of woundedness, brokenness, and a myriad of things that the only one that can take care of it is God. And people in our day and age they think that they have to use their body for acceptance. Sex, drugs, various forms of abuse. But when you are baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost, the Holy Ghost automatically reveals on an individual basis that this is you belong to me. This is not just a shell. This is not just a face trying to fit in with a billion other faces that say they need makeup. But this is now a countenance and not just a face. There are some things that God has to teach us immediately. No preacher. There's just some things I knew automatically when I got saved. 
because of the value that God put upon me by loving me. Well, Pastor, I don't feel love tonight. You've got to pray. How do I get more love? Pray. I would never, I would never in a million years be doing what I'm doing tonight. Never. If I had not very, very early on learned, everybody said learned. You can only grow as fast as you can learn. And this has nothing to do with having a degree. In fact, I was told that preachers at the turn of the century or in after the Azusa Street Revival, some of the, some of the greatest preachers that ever lived didn't even have a high school education, elementary school education. Uh, there's a man that used to go to this church, Brother, uh, Brother Wesley Stump, told me about uh, one of his pastors. I can't remember the man's name now. He said, Pastor, he said that man did not even have, uh, didn't even go to school. He said the Holy Ghost taught him the Word of God. All I know is, is when I got filled with the Holy Ghost and felt the love of God, I just, I just said, I got to have more of this. Everything's going. Everything, everything, everything. Whatever God wants, you can have it. Go, 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 go. Because I got to have more, 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 more. But if you ever get to the place of saying, I got all I need, that is, I can't think of a more dangerous posture because we're really lying to ourselves. We have a false perception of ourselves. And I'm not... I'm not putting anybody down tonight, but I'm pulling the mask off this. And so God has to come in on a Sunday or a Wednesday night or, or, um, or Tuesday night or a Wednesday night Bible study. And all of a sudden we get refilled with the Holy Ghost. And all of a sudden God, God confirms his love to us. And it's supposed to quicken us to get back to the place of saying, this is going I get worried when I see people, you never had a Holy Ghost fit. I've seen people that have never danced in the Holy Ghost. I'm not saying you got to run laps. It'd be nice. That's between you and God. I can't even run a lap. I get back there to old Brother Kenneth, and I'm out of, I'm just turning into an old windbag back there. But there's something in me that when the Holy Ghost gets to moving, i got to express it. But I get worried when I see people that never, never get, have those liberating moments where God is everything. God is all in all. This is all I've ever wanted. This is all I've ever needed. If there's anything in my life, it's gone. It's gone. It's gone. And if that ever happens, the baggage just piles up and piles up. And I've seen people actually walk away from God. Because they came to the place of thinking that the baggage was too much. Instead of just having a good old-fashioned Holy Ghost fit. Hallelujah. Maybe we got to get that tonight. Kind of out of context right now. But it's nice to talk about. Just, just a move of the Holy Ghost where some people want to roll, they just roll.
some people still love to talk. I about lost it when Brother Blash talked about uh, the guy they used to make fun of called the top. And it went like this. I can't run, but I can spin. Just something, anything, anything that lets your flesh know. Don't try to put that back on me because you're gone. Don't try to put that back in here because it's gone. I want to grow. I want to be blessed. I don't want to stay here. This is not all God has for me. This is not all God has for you. It's going to go faith to faith and victory to victory. Higher and deeper and more glorious and more evidence. Where's the evidence? Well, I go to church. That's not evidence. That's training. Well, Pastor, I've always been a nice guy. Okay. Hallelujah. I want to grow. And I want to see this church grow. Not just numerically. I want to see people in this church just, 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 once, once you get a taste of this, you get addicted to it. You, just, you really do. You really do. Pastor, what's going on? I'm growing. I'm growing and I'm glowing. Look at your neighbor and say, glow. Look at somebody else and say, grow. Something's going to have to move in order for that growth to take place again. Maybe it's a rock. Maybe it's a thorn. Maybe it's a root. Maybe, Maybe it's an attitude. Maybe it's a perspective. Maybe it's an attitude you're starting to get. And you're not going to grow until you deal with that attitude and get it out of the way. And then God will fill it in with an attitude of love, joy, peace, and proper perspective. The pastor cannot do this for us. The pastor can only tell us how to do this. But if you've got the Holy Ghost. Well, pastor, I'm speaking in tongues today. I really feel God. That's not really the goal after you get saved. The goal is to grow. Let's go to that second scripture, Brother Clark, please. I can't even, I forgot which one. Okay. These things have I written unto you concerning them that seduce you. Next verse. But the anointing which you have received of him abideth in you. Everybody repeat after me. I'm anointed. Now, for those of you from Rio Linda, I did not say, I'm annoying. I said, I'm anointed. You have the anointing. Well, I don't feel it right now. That doesn't mean you don't have it. What have you been doing to facilitate it? But the anointing which you have, this is to the church. I'm almost done. But the anointing which you have received of him abideth in you, and you need not that any man teach you. Now, this is not saying you don't need a pastor, and you don't need this tonight. What this is saying is, God that is in you, he hears your voice. He he sees your attitude. He sees your dreams. He sees your desire. God is going to talk to you about you. This is why God got so upset at Adam. Who told you you were naked? When you mess up, all you do is increase the voices. That's why you're confused. 
You don't know which voice to listen to. Get it under the blood. Silence the devil. Tell your flesh to sit down and shut up and say, God, talk to me. Speak, Lord, thy servant heareth. I'm telling, listen, I, I believe in, I believe in, you, you, you got to get raw with yourself. You cannot trust yourself. I can't trust me without God. You take away the grace and the blood and the spirit and, and everything God's done for me, and it would just be a little bit of time, and I'd be right back out in that world, maybe not doing the same things I used to do, but I'd be as lost as, 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 as a golf ball in the weeds because I need God every day. I need God. I need God. I need God. I want God every day. I want to feel him. I want to please him. I want to know him. I want more. I want to go higher. I want to go deeper. I want to go farther. Clap your hands and give God the praise. Okay, one last scripture and I'm done and you will be happy. What's the last one, Brother Clark? For the grace of God that bringeth salvation has appeared to all men. Hold on one second. The denominational usage of grace is not even the biblical approach to grace. Verse 12. The grace of God that now has appeared unto all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously and godly in this present world. I'm finishing with this. You know what grace does? When you make a mistake, grace is trying to bring you back to perfect alignment, which is to deny ungodliness and deny worldliness and deny lust and to live soberly and righteously and godly in this present world. Grace is not an excuse to keep sinning. Grace is not an excuse to stumble through the dark. Grace says, I, got you. I want you to be saved. I want you to go to heaven. I want you to grow. I want you to go and spend eternity. Stand to your feet and clap your hands, and let's give God the praise. Somebody praise him. I'm going to do whatever it takes to grow. I'm going to do whatever it takes. I don't care what it does to my flesh. I don't care what the price tag is. I've, I've got to produce evidence. There's got to be a constant evidence that God is in me right here, right now, right here, right now, right here, right now, right here, right now. There are people in this church, I can, I, can, I can point some of you out right now, that we love you dearly. This church loves you dearly. And every once in a while, I'll get a, I'll get a text or somebody will come up to me, Pastor, am I doing okay? Am I doing okay? I want to tell you, you're doing better than you think. You are doing better than you think. Just keep pushing Keep pressing. Keep praying. Let's lift our hands and give God the praise. God is so for us tonight. The Holy Ghost is so for us tonight. I'm going to produce fruit. I'm going to examine my heart. I'm going to work on the condition of my heart so I can bring forth more fruit, more fruit, more fruit. This altar is open. Whoever you are tonight, God is on your side. God is on your side. God is on your side. Come on. Let's find a place to pray and spend some time in his presence.
Jesus, here I am tonight. God, I want to grow. This is where I'm planted, and I want to grow. I want to grow. If something's got to go, if something's prohibiting growth, God, reveal it to me. You'll talk to me. The Word of God states that you'll teach me. You'll show me. You'll talk to me. Whatever it takes, I want to grow. I want to grow. I want evidence. I want confirmation. I want proof that God is in me and God is alive in me. 